Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Okay, Kairos, you're opening the show, so take it away. What? <laughs> How do we go to that? <laughs> when you're away, it was decided. <laughs> All right, um, you guys want me to give a formal introduction, or do you want it to be like, what do you want? Whatever, bro. I, I want you, whatever's coming from your soul. Whatever energy you're going to bring. Heart, whatever energy you're channeling. It's on okay. you. Counting you down in three, two... One. We are here with the Shots Fired Podcast. I am your host, your deity, your best friend, Kairos, followed by Mr. Michael Morgan, G Ooh, from yeah. State Farm, G from Wo T, whichever G, whichever G university fixation you want to do. Yeah, baby. Yep. And we got Mr. Malata, the journalist who's capable of some very bad things, but I won't do that to y'all. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, Fired. Shots, shots fired! Yes, I am very capable of uh, of, uh, of of of. But we are not going to bring up what I sent in the group chat, obviously, for, for for my sake and for the sake of others. <laughs> All right. Who's Since I got the mic, I kind of want to take it back to UFC two fifty eight, which is last month. Obviously, it was headlined by uh, the Usman Burns fight, but. One of the th interesting things that happened, well, not really interesting, one of the sad things that happened was obviously uh, Bobby Green was forced to withdraw from his fight with Jim Miller because he fainted backstage. Now, that was obviously due to his, uh, an issue with a weight cut, not, not, not COVID-related. And obviously, we saw last weekend. Was it last weekend that we yeah, the, the lady fainted on, on the... Yes. Yeah, she fainted twice, yeah. Um, we're not going to go into uh, a discussion about weight cutting, but what I am going to go into a lengthy discussion about and put to you guys is the fact that Bobby Green was, of course, meant to be fighting uh, the uh, the ever young Jim Miller, who's still doing the damn thing. I think he <clears> must be close to like maybe 37 or 38. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jim Miller, he did his responsibilities. He did everything he had to do. He made weight successfully, but he was only paid a uh, fraction of his purses and fractions of purses, fraction of his purse. That would be his show money. And he recently spoke to Cole Shelton of BJ Penn. And I'm just going to summarize basically what he said. The Pretty much the crux of it was that you would expect the UFC, given the fact that Jim had done everything that he needed to do, would pay him his show money. He said that he made a fraction of that. And to quote some of him, he said, I made a couple thousand dollars. Now, this whole situation got me thinking of the, well, this issue that has been long prevalent in mixed martial arts about us having a union, because if we were to have a union, this type of, uh, well, I've, I'm trying to think of a, a, a nice way to say it, because I'm going to try. Shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans, yes, we'll, we'll say that, because I'm going to try go the whole show without cursing for once. <laughs> this type of uh, shenanigans 
would not happen. And I, I was very frustrated when I when when I actually read that. And it just reminded me of the fact that yes, we do need to unionize. And it's you know, if, if this was a, a fighter with a with a bigger name, obviously Jim Miller is a big name amongst us mixed martial arts fans this would be getting a lot more traction, but I think this is something that needs to be discussed about. So I'm going to come to Mike first. What are your thoughts on the fact that Jim Miller did everything that he had to do? Jim Miller, bearing in mind, he's a company man as well. You we stepped up for them on short notes a couple of times beforehand, I'm pretty sure. And yet he's only made a fraction of his purse and well, in the midst of a pandemic, no less as well. I thought standard procedure when you actually weigh in for a fight but not fight was that you got your show money. Mm -hmm. I thought that this was basically the procedure that they have in place. Now, if that's not the case, then they need parity across the board because as we know and what we've seen in the past, there are fighters who fights have actually fallen off and the UFC have basically put things right. But off the back of that, just really, really quickly, I'm not going to really hog the mic too much in this section. I find that really, really distasteful considering that we've had main man Dana White out, White out there splashing the cash in terms of $1 million in terms of bets, but they couldn't actually give this man his show money. That's pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. G, G from the hammock. No, no less people. <laughs> Those who are not watching, <laughs> G, what are your thoughts? I think it's, it's a tragedy that fighters, especially company men fighters can go all out for this company have some type of mishap, miss the fight and not get paid. And also too, what's in the contract, fellas? Can they legally do this? And is it also in the contract? Like if you don't make it to the fight, even though you're prepared and for whatever reason, we're not going to pay you or do they put in the contract? You get half 25%. Like I think managers need to get more involved with this and to ensure they get paid regardless of what the circumstances are, because we're seeing a lot of short notice, like, you know, replacements for whatever reasons. And now we're in the middle of the pandemic. So I think this is super necessary. However, here's one more thing we need to discuss. I don't know if you saw the rumors on Twitter, but I have it in front of, front of me. Vital Vegas tweeted on um, the 28th of May that rumors of Dana White's interest in the Palms hotels and casinos persist. He expressed a willingness to pay 800 to 800 to 25 to 850 million for the, the Palms and Palms Place. And um, reportedly, he wants to revitalize the ghost bar slash rain spaces. Now, this is like it said in, in the tweet, it's a rumor, but it's something that's being, you know, said quite often and it, they're persistent. So I don't know how I would feel working for the UFC, knowing my boss is making million dollar bets on Ben Askren and now also trying to purchase $850 million worth of property in, in Vegas or wherever the hell that is. Um, I think it's it's a very sad state of affairs. Kairos, what do you think? And what do you guys think of him buying, um, you know, property for that much money? Um, I'm pretty sure. Didn't Dana work as a bell bellman at the Palms back in the day? He was, yes, he was a bellman somewhere. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he actually got fired from the Palms. Let me let me let, let me Google this first before I right say before it. we get sued. Right. Yes. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Yeah, this is where Mike comes in and says, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me see. Um, did I? Maybe I'm 
maybe I maybe I was making that up, whatever. And maybe this is just straight rumor because this is just I don't know who Vital Vegas is. It's a random tweet. It could be anybody, but from what I'm hearing is that he is shopping to purchase the Psalms, the excuse me, the Palms Hotel in the Palm Place. So, which is really interesting because right now your fighters are begging for more money and not even just begging for better contracts and money they're on the shows you know screaming for post fight you know like uh what is it performance of the night they're out there trying to kill themselves trying to get like a spectacular submission or knockout and it goes to show you that they're doing that because they're underpaid Mm -hmm. Uh, correction it's not that the the palms basically told him pretty much to like stay away because he was winning too much money that's what, that's why he was he was rinsing them. So scratch what I said from the record. Wow, but he yeah. does. It's, yeah, people forget Pretty he's interesting. a serious gambler, man. And obviously, I mean, was it was it not the palms where um, Colby Covington ran up on him as well? Yeah, when he was with his side piece, and the side piece like uh, kind of jumped uh, out allegedly. of frame. Allegedly, so allegedly. allegedly. but Whoa. the woman he was with knew to jump out of frame immediately. <laughs> I was like, "Get it, sis. That's right. Don't ruin your money. Don't ruin nothing. Don't get caught. Step out the Whoa. frame." And Whoa. and Dana, his voice got hard. The stern with Kobe. He was kind of like, "Yeah, we can talk. Stop recording." Like. I was so proud of Dana for that moment. I'd have did the same shit. I'm here with my breezy here. You come to him. When am I getting a fight? <laughs> Fuck out of here. Whoa, yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> anyway, we, we've deviated. We haven't even got Kairos' thoughts yet. Right, right. Kairos, you're up. Yeah, I just, it sends a clear message that it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done for the company. Like, you've got to be begging on your hands and knees just to get the bare minimum. I also think it's a... It's an education problem, too. You see a lot of these people unaware of their contracts, unaware of what they're supposed to do, unaware of what they're like. We don't even know what's in the contracts, obviously, because like that sort of stuff is NDA and right. that sort of thing. But I just feel like if a lot of if fighters knew better, they wouldn't even like be bringing this up. So I like the whole sport has to do a 180. Otherwise, it's just going to be in a terrible direction. Like I see in like the like. I don't see a union coming for MMA. Like as hopeful as I want to be and like think that these people are like adults and actually want better situations for themselves. A lot of these people are so selfish that it'll just never happen. So the next best thing is for you to get a better, for you to get a better uh, manager, for you to get lawyers to look over your stuff and try and figure it out that way. Cause it's just, I'm done hoping these people do the right thing and it's just not going to happen. It is down to management because you could you imagine if Abdel, Abdel Ali Abdelaziz, one of his boys or yeah. girls, got that treatment, it wouldn't wash. It wouldn't mm-hmm. go down. Yeah. That isn't the type of conversation that will be coming up when Dana and Ali are actually eye to eye. It wouldn't be about you stiff my fire. He didn't get get paid. She didn't get paid. It's down to management, man. That's true. And for further clarity, Dana White was a bellman in a hotel in Boston. I'm just correcting myself. Uh, he was not fired from the Palms. I don't know where, <laughs> where, where I read that, where I, where I heard that. But, uh, but anyway, it'd be a good, but can you imagine going back well, to what you said? Gee, just not go, why did I co-sign? I was like, yes, he was. That's where he worked. But He's I don't know. Like, dark why thing. did I co-sign? <laughs> capable of dark things. I told y'all not to trust this man. You He's dangerous. How, you you saw know, how he yeah, just like... No, no hypnotize me into going into his charade like unbelievable the record is is clear the slate is clear (laughs) everything is is crystal clear who's up next oh shit that would be me um i wanted to talk to you guys about um kevin holland's performance last weekend against Derek brunson and what you guys thought of what 
Dana White's explanation was. And just to refresh your memory, we watched Kevin Holland basically lose a unanimous decision to Derek Brunson at UFC Vegas 22. And it was a wrestling heavy lay and pray type of performance. Good on Derek Brunson to kind of, you know, resort to Kevin Holland's weaknesses and take him down to the ground and keep him there. Um, a lot of fans did not like his performance and including Dana White, who, by the way, left in the fifth round because he just could not handle the fact that oh. I guess the surging star that he wanted to see win was getting taken down over and over again. But here's what he had to say about Kevin Holland's performance. And guys, you also know that um, Kevin Holland did his infamous shit talking the whole fight. And this is nothing new to us. And the, our listeners and viewers of the UFC already know that this Kevin Holland is known for that. But here's the thing. When you do it and you win, we love it. When you do it and you lose, you look like a shithead. And that's basically what we saw. So Dana White's, you know, explanation for this was this right here. When asked, what did you think of um, Holland's performance and his antics? Dana White said, I think that was a mental breakdown. The other thing I saw was like in boxing when Lennox Lewis fought that guy, Oliver McCall, who kept his hands at his side and was crying. I don't know what he was doing. I think he might have been able to handle the pressure and just broke mentally. My favorite part of the quote. I haven't seen anything like that. <laughs> this, I'm sick um, of this, man. We, right. Like um, as much as Dana entertains me, he just really gets on my nerves sometimes. Sir, this is not the first time you've seen a fighter talk shit and drown. OK, Anderson Silva has done it several times. Anderson Silva, I think, beat Michael Bisming. But because he wanted to play the whole damn fight, Michael Bisming was able to edge out that sorry ass win. And secondly, Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva's ass because he played too much. Dana, you lying. It's not the first time you've seen nothing like this. You just didn't know what the fuck to say when people asked you what the fuck was wrong with Kevin Holland. And in his defense, what was wrong with him? I, I might have I said some crazy shit too because there's really no explanation as to why someone knew, and that's someone being Kevin Holland, knowing that Derek Brunson is a heavy wrestler, that he was that ill-prepared for a wrestler, one. And two... I think everything should be done in moderation. If you are good enough to talk shit and make people look bad, for example, like Max Holloway did to Calvin Qatar, notice he talked shit and told him he was the best boxer while successfully beating his ass. That is when you talk shit. But if you get in there and you talk shit and your opponent is beating your ass, I would think that you would tone that down a bit and take this a bit more serious because not only are you going to lose your fight in an emphatic fashion, you look stupid. And you upset your boss when you talk shit while losing the whole five rounds. My question to you is this. What are your thoughts on Dana White's ridiculous answer to Kevin Holland's performance? And two, tell me the real reason why you think Kevin Holland lost or what are your thoughts on his shit talking? And I'm going to start with Kairos. Um, Dana White is smoking dicks, act like he hasn't seen something like that, first of all. The second problem that I have with this is let's not act like Dana White did not want him in the organization. When he was on the contenders, uh, what was Dana it? White's chief denying contenders. Yeah, it was contender, it was one of them. And he was talking trash then, and he won. Dana was like, I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't, I don't like the person. For real? Yes. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, remember. Yeah. I don't watch contender. He said that about Kevin Holland. Yes, he did not want Kevin Holland. Exactly. Dana White said he did not want Kevin Holland. Even though this was after Kevin Holland had wins against Jeff Neal, after he had wins against all these people on the regional circuit, just straight dominating fools. He said he wow. didn't want him. He passed on him. Exactly. And, and then they threw him to the wolves. He's like, okay, if you're serious, didn't they give him Tiago Santos on short yes. 
Yeah. And he's yeah, and he didn't look bad. And so it's like, okay, I guess. And you know, when you fill in on short notice for people, they give you a contract off rip. So like that's, I don't think they've ever had someone fill in short notice and them not receive a contract. So then he was like, all right, well, I guess I have to. And he still wasn't set on the train of like supporting him. It took him having to put together a win streak and the people starting to rally behind him for him to finally even jump on board. And then as soon as he loses, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess he had a mental breakdown. Yeah, mental blah, 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 blah. breakdown. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's whack. First of all, and lastly, I think that to answer the second part of the question is, I've been around a lot of competitors, and I've been competing like my whole life with different stuff. There are certain people who are like that. They're gonna talk trash like from the get go, even if they're winning by seventy or if they're losing by seven. That's just like their personality. And I think like for us to expect it to just dissipate because he's losing, then that would truly mean he's inauthentic to himself. So I'd rather him go that's down a good like explanation. that. Yeah, versus, that yeah, makes sense. It's like, oh, you were fake the whole time. You ain't about that life unless you win it. So like that's but so that's how we. But that's how fans and Dana White, that's how we, um, I guess, conceptualize shit talk. We love it when it's being done. But when you're doing it as you're, as you're losing, the person that is not training to be a fight, notice Cairo said he can relate because what he's been competing his whole life. Non-competitive motherfuckers that sit on the couch and watch TV generally get upset when they see their favorite fighter lose while talking shit. I get the culture behind that, but I do agree with Kairos that, you know, like, you, you can't expect someone to like tone it down a bit. I would love for him to like moderate or, you know, do it in moderation. But if he's a shit talker, like Cairo said, he's just a shit talker. Look at Anderson Silva. He's never toned it down and he got beat up twice for shit talk. So maybe it's a part of just who the fight, who you are as a person in your mouth. Michael, what do you think of all this? You know, his nickname is the Trailblazer. But if I remember rightly, when he was on Dana White's uh, Contender Series, wasn't it Dana White who gave him the, the nickname Big Mouth? Yeah. Now, for me, that sounds like he doesn't that, like him. That seems as though Dana White had actually bought into the shtick from day one. He was well aware of what he does, and he has been since competing in the UFC. So I was surprised, very shocked, that he was talking about mental breakdown. And I was also surprised that if he saw that as a mental breakdown, if he saw that as mental weakness, if he saw that his fighter essentially was in trouble, then where was the, oh, the UFC will do all they can to help this man. The UFC will give him all the help that he needs, a la, or just like, um, Kamzat Chemaev. Now, for me, either that wasn't genuine in the way that he was actually describing what he saw, or this was just bullshit for the cameras. This was just bluster because I can't think of what else it would be. I'd understand if this was the first time that he'd seen Kevin Holland, but having given him a contract from his contender series up until now, are you telling me that he didn't notice and especially giving him the moniker Big Mouth? In terms of why he lost, I put it down to the simple fact that Derek Brunson was just ferocious and he knew exactly, look, the winning formula here is just take him down, grind him out and put him on his back, keep him on his back. Because what happened when he was there? He was helpless, couldn't do yeah. anything. And yeah. if you are talking for a straight 25 minutes, I tried talking for a straight five minutes. I'm out of breath already. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? I'm not actually in there competing. So doing right. that 25 minutes, are you telling me that doesn't sap your gas tank? Yeah. And that Bo doesn't actually bonus, bonus question, Mike, for you, just because of you. You're so special to me. You get an extra <laughs> question. Um, now, uh, switch things up. You are Dana White. Mm. And I'm I'm a, I'm a media person, and I say to I say to you, Dana White, 
what happened in there with Kevin Holland? What would be your response, Mike, if you were Dana White? And don't tell me you'd say the same crazy shit he said. Come on. No, no. I'd say he needs to shut his damn big mouth. I gave him the big mouth moniker. It was funny then. It's not funny now because look, he's losing fights. If he would just quieten down, concentrate on his skills, give as much energy in talking as he does to fighting, his kid will go clear. But he needs to shut that damn big mouth of his. That's what I would say. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? When has okay? Okay, see hold because up. that goes that what Mike said goes against everything Cairo said. If it's like a natural, if you're a natural shit talker and a natural yeah. talkative competitor, I think mm-hmm. this is why Kairos is cutting up with what Mike said. And I'm gonna sit back and watch y'all argue. Go ahead. <laughs> even even if it's fake, even mm-hmm. if it's fake, and that's not mm-hmm. really Kevin on who is anybody to tell him how he can make money? I don't see him lining up to sell Cole, but he chill out saying that he was balls deep in Poliana Viana. Direct quote. I didn't make that up. He said that. Don't look at me like he said that. No, so, it's just so disgusting. I'm sorry. So how on earth are we going to fix our lips to say he better stop talking? Or we haven't fixed our lips to tell the most, like, one of the worst people in the organization to stop talking. Like, come on. Because, because oh, Michael yeah. Morgan, as Dana White, is a promoter. So he has to be shady and, and show favorites and be and pick and choose who he's going to check. Colby 100%. might bring in a little bit more money than uh, Kevin Holland. And why am I defending Mike? Mike is the one that said the shit. But <laughs> I, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I was I'm going to just jump in and defend you. you. Right. I'm going to back you up by saying you're absolutely ahead. right. Dana White is the gaslighter's gaslighter. The way that I look at it is he loves to mix it up with fighters. If you notice from the time that he's been on the scene, he's been in wars with every single fighter you can possibly imagine. Now, the way that I look at it is this. This kind of speaks to his narrative getting into the mix of things with the fighters, but also picking and choosing who he's favorites with, picking and choosing who whose business he's going to be up in. I mean, really and truly, I mean, speaking of gaslighters, gaslighters, I'm glad we're back again this week, just like the notion that Khabib had retired. Hold on a minute. Khabib had retired many moons ago. So why is it like we're kind of bringing something back that was always there? The gaslighter is gaslighter. He loves to bring out these stories, these narratives, and twist and turn and pit people against each other. That's exactly what I've done when G asked me what you would say. I'm pitting him against his next opponent. Dana White said to shut your mouth. Dana White said that you need to be quiet. Blah, 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 blah. We need to stop acting like what Dana White is the blueprint on how to do good business. That's what we need to do right now. We need to, I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. A lot of people might disagree with me. Dana White isn't as good of a businessman as many of people think. He, I'm not going to sit here and say he's garbage at it. I won't do that. But what I'm going to tell you is this, for someone who seems to be the person who knows all the right things and does all the right things, he's fucked up a lot of times. This is the same individual who who basically lost the greatest fight of all time. We will never see prime Tony versus Habib because this man had the audacity Uh, to schedule it five times, let them fight on the same card and not fight each other, let them continuously dance around each other and not fight each other. But yet he's the genius of this organization. This is the same individual who has primetime athletes, like a guy like Paul Day makes a mistake, never lets him back in. This guy could have been the greatest welterweight of all time. We'll never know now. We'll never see it. How about about it? Kairos, how about he doesn't promote Amanda Nunes, promotes Ronda Rousey instead. She gets smoked. He still doesn't 
Uh, he still doesn't promote her. And then he manages to get Chris Cyborg versus Amanda. She smokes him and we don't get to see the rematch between probably the best Mm -hmm. uh, female fighters ever. And it's a damn shame. That rematch needs and still should fucking happen. They're the best women to do it. Exactly. And he'd rather insult Chris Cyborg, call her man, treat her like shit. Da 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 da. And I'm just like, we're missing out on like historic matchups while you're doing this. But Kairos, I still think he's pretty damn good because we all yeah. here talking about his damn organization. Thank you. So yeah, I'm not gonna go that far with the shit talk. He did something right because we all here talking, talking about him every week. We love. He's got the premier organization he did something right because we're here talking about him and i think he gets away with a lot of the shit because the ufc i'm starting to realize is like bottom of the barrel sports like we don't have no code of conduct you can call a famous actor the n-word and there's no repercussions you can support Quanon. you can it's insane and i think that's why he can get away with some of the stuff that kairos is complaining about the favoritism the, the shitty promoting it's because we're like we're not the nba we're not big time so he can get away with that crap but Shasanga, you're up and we keep like talking over you and amongst <laughs> you without getting your point out I, I just wanted to sound off on, on what you said. Uh, one thing, Kairos saying the greatest fight that we've ever missed out on in mixed martial arts, that's prime GSP against Anderson Silva. How dare you come that's at another me? another one. How dare yep. you come at me with Tony and Habib? How dare you say that? They're in different divisions. one of many. No, no. <laughs> in different divisions. That wasn't even that, plausible. That, that, that is a Like, if you ask the majority this of the fans who've been following mixed martial arts, let's say the last 15 years or maybe even 20 years, what fight do you wish that happened that didn't happen? Do you wish that? Oh, hi. Sorry, it's my other half popping in. The uh, it's teddy bear. It's, it's here, actually. It's, it's oh, she got it ready. Good for her. <laughs> got it ready for the show. Anyway, yeah, as I was saying, as I, as I was saying, GSP and uh, and Anderson, that was a fight. But going back to what you were saying about Dana White, yes, there are a lot of mishaps that he's made, but he's not just responsible for the growth of the UFCs pretty much responsible for the growth of the sport in general because Thank obviously you. shots fired yeah blah, blah, blah. yeah, yeah. Obviously the ufc is synonymous with mixed martial arts whenever when people mention mma like the casual go oh you mean ufc so mm-hmm. this but, is the what have you done for me lately business if we follow that criteria for everybody, he has to stand tall to that criteria too. Do I not hit you. me. Do not hit me with the whole, he pushed for the legalization in New York. He allowed fires. And blah, blah, blah. Let's be honest for a second. Let's be honest for a second. If this man did not buy up multiple promotions and have a stranglehold on all the talent in the world, the majority of it, he would not be able to get away with all this stuff and have a successful business. It wouldn't happen. If what? this guy was in control of LFA right now, or if this guy was in control of, um, yeah, let's say LFA, because this is a prestigious organization that people know about, and it has a, a pretty strong l- roster of talent. That place might go belly up because of the shenanigans that he pulls, straight up. If he had to actually run it and not have all the publicity, not be the number one organization, not have all these things going for him, it would go under probably, or it wouldn't be as successful because he just does not do what he needs. He sets rules aside and does not follow them. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if you noticed, but Michael Morgan's hand is up. Like we're in Zoom class. I feel like I'm I'm in college. This is what we do in Zoom class. Go ahead, Mike. Kairos, because I'm getting quite help and quite, um, uh, what's the word? 
holding back what I want to say. And I'm holding back what I want to say because I know you've got another subject to actually jump to. Can I suggest that this is your topic this week? Because I, I just, I want to jump in, but I don't want to jump in if it means that- <clears throat> Jump in. I'm curtailing your subject. Can this be your subject this week, please? This is my subject. Jump okay, in. Right. Boom. When you talk about him not being a promoter of note, of worth, and basically of stature, you are completely wrong. In every single facet of the word promoter, this man not only is a survivor, but he is an instigator. He is a creator. He basically has broken the mold when it comes to promotion. I'll tell you why. How many promoters out there can infamously be on camera calling a well-respected journalist, Loretta Hunt, a cunt, and calling her all manner of names on camera and survive? How many scrapes, how many tumbles, how many falls has this man had and has survived? How many times do we make reference to the fact that people call this sport the UFC when they should be referring to it as MMA? And you know why? Because of one man. You talk about the matchups that he doesn't make. How about the matchups that he has made? There has been countless. I see you dribbling from week to week, but forgetting that it's the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Dana White that's making all of this possible. Dana White actually gets it as an accolade from Joe Rogan and rightly so. Yeah. I personally think that you should be ashamed. You Ooh. should be on your knees begging for forgiveness when you talk about Dana White in that manner. I think as well, when you look at traction of the videos which actually go out, when you look at fighter videos, Dana White ranks up there in terms of traction. He gets hell of views. I remember the videos which we used to put out um, when we used to, back in the old days where we used to do the up close and personal videos, cameras, he used to far outshine the talent. Now there is a reason for that. People, well-respected people, have him in high regard because of his accolades, because of what he brings to the sport, because of what he's done for the sport and what he continues to do for the sport. I really do feel, I would respectfully suggest you check his resume, you check exactly your motivations for each and every week watching the sport. It's because of everything that he's made possible. Everything that he's made possible, everything the team around him is working for him is making possible for ah, him. Ah, you great. talk about all the fights that he put great. together. That's why great. you have matchmakers. That's why great. you have Matt. Those are their job. You want to talk about something he's done for the sport? Okay, great. How about we talk about the fact that he basically bankrupted his fighters for a five to seven year span with the Reebok sports deal? How about we talk about the fact that this man, okay, congratulations. Congratulations. You can be the face of the organization and get away with not getting canceled for saying stuff that other people would get canceled for. But that's because of the demographic that you put together for this sport. If this was such a mainstream sport, he wouldn't be able to get away with this stuff. That's the problem. That's the problem right now. The same person who has gotten us to this point, and I acknowledge that, Dana White has gotten the UFC to this point and absolutely should be committed for that. But we can't sit here and act like everything that got us to this point is going to continue to take us to the next level. That's not how the world works. That's not how any sort of performance works when it comes to evolving. You cannot continuously do the same thing over and over and follow the same blueprint and expect it to continuously push you forward. It's just not going to happen mm -hmm. like that. You have to change it up. You have to improve. You have to do things a little bit differently. And the longer the Dana White refuses to acknowledge that, the longer it's going to take for our sport to actually hit the mainstream. That's what I'm talking about. about. The mainstream, when you talk about the mainstream, who took the leading brand 
to the mainstream in Fox. Who took the leading brand to the mainstream with ESPN? ESPN, you have to keep forget. You, have, you I think you are forgetting that ESPN is put up on a pedestal in terms of sport because fight sports did not feature and did not feature well on there. I think the key and most important thing is you talk about mainstreaming. Thank you for giving me that. He has single-handedly through those two deals brought us closer to the main, mainstream than any other promoter on the planet. Yep, and yes. you hear other promoters such as uh, Eddie Hearn uh, eulogizing him and saying, oh, I wish Thank I could you. run boxing kind of in a similar way that Dana White does. So, I mean, you got you got to give the man his props. But can we go back to my thoughts on Kevin Holland? Because I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah, okay, let's get back to that. <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think Dana spoke, uh, I think it was to Kevin Ioli, who he, he, uh, he gave the interview, yep. brief interview to, I think he was just frustrated. I think he was just pissed off with, uh, with what he saw. He, he didn't like the fight. Fair enough. But to liken it to, uh, Oliver McCall's breakdown in his, uh, rematch with Lennox Lewis. I don't know if you guys have seen it before, but like Oliver McCall literally like, he did pretty much have a nervous breakdown. He put his hands by his side and he was visibly crying. I mean, they're apples and oranges are two. I, I, I urge you to go and watch it. I urge you to go watch it. They're apples and oranges, just two completely different things. So I thought that was a bit excessive. Yeah. If you, if you, uh, if you disliked his antics in that, in the, in that fight, yeah, you can, you can be critical of them, but to compare it to that, I thought that was a bit over the top. And as for Kevin, I, well, I, I, I like to trash talk. If you're going to trash talk during the fight, keep trash talking, keep trash talking. But for me, given the fact that like he was down and like he, the fact that he was talking to to Habib and like the comment, other commentators in between, like it's one thing like shit talking your opponent and, and what have you, but like, and your energy's focused on them, but focusing outside and whatever. I think maybe he wanted to do it because obviously remember Habib uh, against Michael Johnson was speaking to Dana White while he's beating down Michael Johnson. He's like, I, I want to smash your boy. So I think maybe that's why why he was doing it in, in between rounds. But I guarantee you if Khabib was losing, he wouldn't have been talking. Do you understand? Like yeah. Khabib talks shit, but notice he wasn't in an advantageous position. Yeah, he wasn't the, taking it. He was winning the fight. He was beating. To me, it's like, yeah, talk that shit. But like, but yeah. again, I can't tell a fighter how to be is, a, I, I have how no to problem. be a fighter. Yeah, or to yeah, talk shit. Or not. Oh, he should never talk talk uh, talk shit again. That's what's endearing about him. That's what's different. At the end of the day, like, as as much as this is uh, as finding about who the best mixed martial artist is, it's about entertainment as well. It's, yeah, it's it's about uh, figures who. who captivate the audience captivate the mainstream as well like i mean if kevin holland had won in emphatic fashion and, and what have you then obviously you push him more to the forefront of the mainstream and people look at me like oh have you seen this guy who talks shit in between in, in between rounds i had one of my work colleagues text me uh like 1 a.m i i was i confess i didn't even stay up and watch the fight so i'm just putting that out there uh one of my work colleagues is like oh uh that the, U the ufc promo that they did on kevin holland's shoes was cool as hell so, I mean, he's somebody that I think they obviously see something in, in and I think that was probably at the root of Dana White's frustration as well. I think that's his thing, though, the whole talking uh, yeah. during fights, because I used to roll with this guy, and it was really weird. And, like, recollecting it now, it makes sense. I think he may have had ADHD, but every single time that I'd roll with him, and I have to say, hands up, 
um, he'd wrap me up every single week. Just as he was trying to choke me out, you know, he would go into this kind of like rant, kind of like, we'd be talking all the time. We're going for transitions, we're going for sweeps. We're basically, you know, going for arm locks, arm bars. And he'd be talking all the way through, <laughs> all the way. Almost as though he was sunning me, but that was just his thing. And he would yeah. do it with everybody. As soon as we get on the mat, he'd be off. Yeah. Ultimately, um, as I say, maybe that is a, a tick. Maybe he does have some form of ADHD. Mm, I don't. I, I wouldn't liken it directly to that, but I, I think it's just. I, I don't. Well, I don't know where Kevin Holland is from as well, but I, I mean, just smack talking competition. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming maybe he has he has older or younger brothers or whatever. But like, if you have older or younger brothers, man, you always talk shit. You talk shit like when you're playing video games. You talk shit when you're playing sports and what have you. And for me, I think that's just him carrying that over into. In, into the octagon I, like i have no qualms with it whatsoever but i think maybe tone it down just a little bit if you're getting your ass handed to you and focus a bit more on the task at hand They're like all right let, i need to get bronson off my off, i need to get <coughs> sorry i need to wall walk i need to get this guy off me and i need to do my thing but will i call for him to uh be absolute to be charlie chaplin in his next fight no i'm not gonna call for that i'm with kyra so when he says stick with it do exactly what you makes it. you comfortable. It, yeah. Do exactly what your brand is. Live your brand. Be your brand. I'm with Kairos. Exactly. I, I do hear that. Same. Same. I might not like it when the fighter's losing when he talks shit, but at the same time, do fucking you. I'm just a fan. But I do worry. I, I did want to add this in, in there with you guys. I do worry that like a lot of fans jumped off his bandwagon because of his unprofessionalism. Like Kairos, I know you noticed on the timeline, everybody was on this man's dick. Everybody on MMA Twitter was like, Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland, five fight win streak. Oh my God, he's won so many fights in 2020. He's the best, he's the best. And then he lost by talking shit. Everyone has jumped the bandwagon. I, there's very few Kevin um, Holland stands left. And that makes me kind of sad because it's like, all he did was act professional and lose a fight. Now everybody jumps ship. So I wonder too, Kevin, like I get that Kevin keeps saying that he's gonna keep talking and he'll never change but he should be leery of what's going to come with that, you know, hot and cold fans instead of like a fan base, you know? But those aren't necessarily the people that you want in your, on your fan base then, right? People are just going to flip flap and what have you. It's the same with Adesanya. Like, I mean, the amount of uh, accounts I would see with Adesanya profiles and what have you, then people just change them after his one loss. I'm like, come on, man. (laughs) No, I mean, just stick by a fighter through thick, like, well, through thick and thin. It's like when you support a football team or a, or, a, or a basketball team, you stick with them through thick and thin, right? This is MMA. This is a certain type of fan. And we have, week in, week out, keep coming back to the fact that these people are toxic, man. These people are contrary. And, you know, some of them, we have to keep remembering as well, some of them do literally live in their mom's basement. Yeah, this is this is true. Uh, I, 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 yeah, and I, I forget sometimes that when you interact with accounts, you don't like. I, I automatically think, "Oh, yeah, I'm speaking to an adult my age, within their twenties or in their what have you." But you could very well just be speaking to a fifteen-year-old who's talking shit. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's. Mm. But anyway, but let's go back to um, more of what uh, Kairos was saying on on, on Dana White. Kairos, do you want to further get get this uh, get this off your chest? 
your subject. There's nothing to get off my chest besides the fact that I'm not saying he's a trash promoter. I'm not saying he's incapable. I'm just saying that for us to expect that the shenanigans that he got away with and that put the UFC in the position that it is now is going to continuously carry it forward is just a little bit misplaced. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Especially when you mentioned ESPN and its placement and its sponsorship with ESPN. It's like, okay, great. We are finally noted, like noticed by them, but it's not like we're talking about the NBA. It's not like we're talking about the NFL where they actually have people who are specialists on ESPN, specific goals to talk about the sport. Who's our specialist for MMA for ESPN? Even a, talks with he's our specialist. Stephen A. Smith, Stephen exactly. A. And we want to talk <laughs> about Stephen A. And like, it's like, okay, I get it. He's been watching the sport and following the sport, but that's not the best representation no, of what we need right now. No. That's, that's as much as respect as they're giving our sport right now. To give it to him. Yeah, I mean... Come on. We, we, we don't got that much respect. I, I, I think I'd prefer Max Kellerman to, to do it. Max Kellerman, obviously, he's a, he's, he's a student of the boxing game. He's, he's, he speaks very, very well. Obviously, I, I don't know how... Uh, I'd prof. Yeah, I, I just prefer somebody with combat sports experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but bring somebody out of how we don't don't reach into ESPN and look for something. They should yeah. go and grab somebody who has a personality who knows the sport versus them just saying let's just solve the problem by looking within ourselves. The, the answer is not there. The answer is nowhere in yet. They don't have a person to help you with this. You got to go find somebody. I disagree. It is. It is within ESPN because the whole thing is to bring audiences from other genres over mm-hmm. to MMA. Yeah, that's why he is a big name. A lot of people put a lot of store by what he says. Now, albeit, I agree with you 100%. MMA is not his forte. MMA is not something that he is well-versed on. But what he is well-versed on is traction, is attraction, and bringing those fans over to mixed martial arts. He can be yeah, a part of the talk movie. and not be the centerpiece, though. You can have him talk. He can be around the table just like everybody else. He just doesn't have to be the centerpiece of it because that's what you get when you have a person who has that knowledge base and he's speaking it to a large group of demographic people. It's like what Robin Black said this. He's basically poisoning everybody. He's basically lying to millions of people and getting them to believe certain things that aren't true or might mislead them unintentionally, but then that cascades off into the fan base. It's like, I get it happens and I understand, but it doesn't have to be him being the centerpiece of this. Grab somebody else. Shoot, grab me. I'm a free agent. I'm a. <laughs> you can get me. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Like I, I am open. I gotta, you know, hire me. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm not sure, yeah. whether you had your say on um on on Dana White because I want to make sure that Kairos has his full 15 minutes of fame with this that he is table. I'm torn because it's like. I do appreciate Dana White, believe me or not, for all that he's done. But then at the same time, I I have a chip on my shoulder like Kairos. Like, there's just so much to criticize with him. But at the same time, he is the beacon of MMA. Like, he's the first guy to kind of put us on to this, to get us to fall in love with it. And I get it, Kairos. Like, you think he gets too many accolades because he's not actually the matchmaker. He's not. But he's the guy that got together with those brothers and got us here in the first place. And on top of it... He's like the fucking, you know, the end all be all of MMA, like Bellator and everybody models themselves around the UFC. So it's like he did something right, but not without criticism. I mean, we're over here. Our first discussion was about how he's underpaying people and yet he's living luxuriously about to buy a hotel. So like there is room for criticism. Alleged. Yeah. Allegedly. Why I'm nodding as well is because he's without... 
his flaws. His flaws are many. If you hear me week in, week out, I talk about his flaws, many of which I bring as my subject. But I don't think that we can disrespect him by saying or, or, or diminishing his impact, his allure. And what he has actually done for the sport is noteworthy. Absolutely noteworthy. 100%, 100%. I didn't say it was no word. I just said we can't expect what got us to this point to continuously take us further. That's all I was you saying. You migrated to that. Don't try and I'm deal with Mike Morgan and guess When like they rewind the tape. Are you moving the Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. I said, I appreciate what he has done for the sport. I acknowledge his accolades from legalizing it. I acknowledge all the stuff that he said. But I said, he has also fumbled the bag as many times as people just brush it under the rug. That's what I'm saying. We got to cr- be able to critique people no matter what. I don't care if you, I'm going to critique you no matter what. I'm just going to keep it a buck with you. You could, you could be my best friend. You could be like someone I don't know. But if, you, if, you, if you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong. Like it's just a matter of how, if, if, if it's behind closed doors or not. No, true. No, I mean, I mean, yeah. No, but nobody is above criticism. Like, I mean, nobody's beyond uh, beyond reproach, as 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 the saying goes. But I mean, props to him for for where he's got. I mean, look, I I, I have a job as a mixed martial arts journalist because of him, essentially. Although he's not paying my salary, so um, I I suppose I'm kind of indebted into him to a weird way, <laughs> what have you. But yeah, but, uh, but as you said, he should. He, he, he shouldn't be devoid of, of criticism or critiquing or what have you, just like everybody else. So, Mike, speaking I of critiquing, guess. I think you're up next, right? Yeah, I guess I am up next. You know, speaking of critiquing, that's a really nice segue into my section because um, I have a, a critique which I want to bring to the table this week, and that is prop to Dan Hardy, who basically uh, gave the UFC a big fuck you. <laughs> by joining sport as their newest analyst. Now he's going to be breaking down the fights in the run-up to all the fights after he'd been unceremoniously, in his words and by his kind of uh, own kind of background, um, the way that he put this together in terms of what he said on Twitter. So by that background, unceremoniously um, jettisoned from the UFC but no props to Dan Hardy and props to the rest of the BT sports team who effectively he has joined he now joins Nick Pete, Adam Catterall, Michael Bisping and Caroline Pierce as the new lineup this is something which they kicked off this week uh, which they I think they're calling fight week now the reason why um, I want to bring this up in terms of critique it's just that Last year, I'm not sure if you remember, but BT Sport was one of the organizations who put together um, more than just a tile. The tile represented on social media, large corporations giving their nod, giving their shoulder to shoulder response with Black Lives Matter. I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter, the movement. I'm talking about Black Lives Matter, the statement, Black Lives Do matter. Their pledge from the 1st of July 2020 said something along the lines of, and I'll quote actually instead of something along the lines of, our strategy to accelerate inclusion and diversity. Now underneath that headline, they said with their chest, 
As a broadcaster, we will use our voice and platform to fight against racism, to help create a truly inclusive environment in society. As an employer, we are proud of our diverse team, both on and off screen, and our committed inclusion and diversity strategy. But we have more work to do to ensure our team truly reflects our audience and community. Now, maybe they are making massive leaps elsewhere, but my first question, just hold this in mind, because um, I'm about to like give you a second question so that you can answer both at the same time. In our little corner of MMA, I really do feel that they have got a lot of work to do. That lineup is um, kind of the polar opposite of what they promised. Now, when you think of that lineup and having it more diverse, I'm not talking about inclusion of women, I'm talking specifically black, Asian and minority um, faces in there. They could actually pull from a, a quite deep pool. Now, March of last year, I've got to give them their props, March of last year, before this whole Black Lives Matter statement that they issued, they appointed Chimat Sandu. I've got a lot of time for Chimat Sandu, ex-MMA junkie, a very, very nice chap. He, he was appointed to their social media team. So as an Asian chap, great, brilliant, good start. But where are the black voices? Now, you might argue, mm, who are they going to pull from? Where is this pool? Where is this magical set of people that they could actually, I suppose, approach? For me, I mean, this is just a cursory glance out there. Paul Sutherland, he's a UFC judge. Our very own Chisanga Malata. Uh -huh. Working on a national newspaper. He's not doing the whole blog thing. He is on a national newspaper. Now, whilst I haven't got a lot of time for that national newspaper, facts are facts. Traction is observed in that newspaper. Mark Weir, a UK mixed martial arts pioneer. Now, if I'm rightly thinking in my own mind, He's the first black man from the UK to win in the UFC. Dean Amazinga, he's a well-regarded coach and tough contestant. Now, as I say, that's just me taking a cursory glance. That imagine, imagine with their might, imagine with their prowess, imagine with their magnitude of that organization behind them, what they could achieve if they tried to look at more than a handful. This is my pitch. Paul Daly was summarily uh, dismissed from his commentary gig and will be a free agent after his last fight on Bellator in April. That's who I would like to see get the job. BT Sport, you promised diversity. You promised second chances. You've given Dan Hardy a second chance. Don't fumble the bag on this one. Now, the way that I look at it is this. Look, I want you to rein me in. I want you to manage my expectations. Firstly, as I mentioned, am I being unrealistic in terms of them being and approaching a more diverse pool? And secondly, who could they choose from? Who could actually join the team? I'm going to go with Chisanga. Oh, um, uh, well, I, I, I'm flattered that you mentioned me in, in, in that list of uh, esteemed names, uh, Paul Sutherland and, and Mark Weir. Uh, Mark Weir, oh, OG of OGs in, uh, in the UK mixed martial arts scene. But like you said, the, the, pool, the pool for this is very, 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 very small. And when it comes to diversity, I'm kind of, 
I'm kind of torn. I would never personally want to get a job purely based off the color of my skin. That's I, I would want to Agreed. Get a job because I'm good enough for the job and they believe that I can add value and and can further their project or whatever. This is this is with any company. I don't want what's the term they use in America? Affirmative action, pretty much. They, that's, mm. that's that's what it was. Um, like, well, when it, when it comes to BT, obviously, yeah, they they did make that promise. I don't know what's happening behind uh, closed doors or what have you, but I will I will say that they, um I did receive a freelance job offer for them not too long ago. Uh, I think it was. I think it was like three, uh, it was about three or four months ago, but I just signed my contract with the sun. So they did offer me, well, well, they, they'd obviously looked at my work and they'd seen that, okay, this guy can write, he can do other things. We'll try see if we can get him in on a temporary basis or what have you. So they have made efforts, efforts in that, in, in that regard. But as you said, who, who could come in? I'd love to see Paul Daly. That'd be a great, that'd be a fantastic, a fantastic addition. And with, with the other names that you mentioned, I think they would shy away from appointing them or pu- putting them in, in, into a position there just because they don't resonate with the casual fan base. Do you know what I mean? Like the casual fan base, especially in the UK. I think Paul Daly is a big enough name, somebody who would still be like, still be remembered for them to, for them to appoint. But again, I don't, I wouldn't want Paul just to get the job just because he's black. I want yeah. him to get it because he's very good on the mic and he's, he dissects fights very well. And that's why I suggested that shortlist. Like I say, it was just a cursory glance. Yeah, no, I got no real research. I just looked around and said, oh, how about him? How about him? How about him? Okay, fair enough. They could, they might put a little bit more oomph in terms of research. But anyway, sorry, sir. And I also agree with you as well that it's not about favoritism for the fact that, oh, just because you're black, you're getting the position. You're getting the position because of your skill, expertise, and your prowess that you bring to the job. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no. Pretty, well, what I said was pretty much my, my stance on it. Like, I mean, I I have absolutely no like when when I look at the lineup of, of people that are there, everybody's there on merit of BT Sport. You've got Adam Catterall, uh, who's got such a sultry, nice voice from from up north. I don't know where he's from, Manchester, right? I think he's from. You could actually listen to all day. Then you got Nick Pete. You've got Caroline Pierce, and then you've now got uh, Dan Hardy and the addition of Michael Bisping. I mean, those two, I think, when it comes to covering mixed martial arts, it's imperative that you have them. You can't have you can't have a mixed martial arts broadcast team without having the UK's first uh, and only UFC champion and the first UK title challenger for a for a UFC title. But I mean, w- would I like to see the team diversify and what have you? Yeah, pr- yeah, yeah, I would. But I mean. Well, we don't know what's going on with the with the pandemic. Sandu could very well be, become at the front of their uh, of their team, their operations in America, because obviously he's based in North America. So I I don't know, but I mean, in time we'll we'll see what's happening. I know in uh, BT Sport in general, uh, you are seeing a diverse range of pundits and uh, and uh, and commentators coming com- coming on. Like I, I know you don't watch football that much, Mike, but that's I don't that's watch football at all. So they are they are making a concerted effort and in, in that in that area. Maybe mixed martial arts will take some time for that to happen because obviously because as you said, I don't want to I don't want to say the talent pool or whatever, but uh, in our in our very niche sport, there aren't many, uh, there aren't that many ethnic minority reporters, are they? Just in general, uh, to be honest. So, I think in time it will, it will happen. I mean, would I like to see it sooner? Of course, a hundred percent. But again, I'd rather somebody get the job 
because they can provide good content. Give my man Pete Carroll a job, BT, BT Sport. That's who I want to see. I put a point in there, Pete Carroll. I don't know if you've been watching the stuff he's been doing with MMA on point recently. It's no, I've not seen it. Hard in the pun, it's on point. So okay. Can I jump in real quick? To, to, to G. Yes, I just want to jump in because I have some concerns about uh, Chisanga saying, hey, you know, I don't want to get a job because I'm black. And I think that's where we need to stop and think about what we're saying. And I think we need to not only be proud of the fact that we're getting jobs because we're black, but I think we need to accept that. Because the problem is, is that the reason why we're being hired for these jobs is because they've decided. And when I say they've, I mean, white supremacy and systematic racism has decided that we don't have a seat at the table. Mm. Brooklyn is ruining my whole conversation here. Y'all hear this uh, trap music coming through my windows? Um, Okay, perfect. I'm going to act like y'all don't hear it, but there's trap music inside my living room. Um, (laughs) So. I think the blame is more really with the system that oppressed us and created this system now where we have to be hired so that we're represented. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to take on that shame of like, I'm only hired because we're black. No, no, we're being hired because we're we're catching up on oppression time. You've oppressed us and we don't get a seat at the table. So now corporations are making it so that we get a seat at the table, whether it's with affirmative action or whether it's because we need to diversify. And to hear other black men or women say, I don't want a job just because I'm black. No, 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 no. Don't take on that, um, that guilt or that shame. It's their fault that I'm being hired because y'all need more black people. Take the opportunity, fucking run with it. And also in the back of your mind, know that, hey, I'm here because of diversity, but I'm the best black person they found, right? So I don't like that attitude to hear, oh, I got the job because you're black. No, you got the job because they wouldn't give us a seat at the table. And now we're here. And I'm also, I'm the best black person at this table. So I'm all for for getting that job because they fucked up and didn't give us a seat at the table. So I'll never carry that shame. And I tell myself I'm the best black person here anyway. So done with that. And secondly, they should have some t- somebody black on that show. It's 2021. And right now the whole world is about what well, we're pushing for gender inclusivity, cultural inclusivity. It's just what we're doing right now. And shame on them for just quietly not doing that and just putting that bullshit statement out that Michael read. And then when you do the hiring, there's not one black face on there. You can have a disclaimer and you can say all the shit that you like, but actions speak louder than words. And why wouldn't you add Paul Daly? He's a familiar face for people in the States. He's a familiar face for the people in the UK. And what do fans want? They want to see more fighters in the booth breaking fights down. Give the people what they want. That would be Paul Daly. Why he's been blackballed and why he was removed from Bellator. I don't know. I, I feel like ever since Dana gave him the ax, he, that, that, black cloud of Dana being like, I'll never work with him again, has followed him everywhere. And being a black man doesn't help. So I just think there's something with Paul Daly where, you know, promoters and people just can't forgive him and he's not getting a shot that he deserves. He needs to be in that booth. And the other names that Michael, you know, suggested, I'm not familiar with them. I'm not from the UK. I would prefer Paul Daly. He satisfies all of our needs. So that's my take on it. And for real, y'all, don't be shamed if you ever get hired to be the black person at the job because you were the best black person they found. And that's what the fuck they're supposed to be doing. So walk up in there with pride and be like, yeah, y'all fucked up. That's why I'm here and I'm here to fix everything. So that's my spirit. I I hear where you're coming from, G, but I'm more with Chisanga in that. I really do feel that the merit 
aspect of the job is why I'm being hired. I'm being hired because of my expertise, not so that you can fill a quota. Because if you are telling me I'm here, seated at the table to tick a box for you, you can stuff your job right up your crevice. And I, I understand that. Your, atti- I get that attitude, Mike. But a part of you also has to step up. Like, I'm here because y'all fucked up. Y'all need black people. And not that. only do y'all need black people, y'all need the best one. That would be me. Thanks. I show up happy and I take my job and I do the best thing that I can do. It's not my fault that you need black people now. Matter of fact, fuck y'all. Y'all should have been had us at the table. But since now you need some, I'll take it. You know what I mean? And I'm the best in my field if you're picking me. You know, so it's like I just don't want people to come into the black people to come into the job like I was the hired N word or I was, you know, I'm the emergency black. You might be, but be proud because you're here because they fucked up and you are the best out of all the black people they found. Mm -hmm. So take your seat, do your job and remind these people I'm here because you need more of me. And hopefully I open the door to more people. That's my attitude with it. You know what I'm saying? I just hate to hear black people take on white guilt. Those white people should feel bad that they had to hire a black person, not the black person that walks in for the job. You feel me? That's just me, though. That's just me. I'm sorry. Tyrus. The trap music is so loud. I'm so distracted. But y'all don't hear it. So we good. So loud. Kairos, you're up. I just don't like hearing like you hear the same like rebuttal for a lot of people in America when they talk about affirmative action and schooling and enrolling in colleges. You always hear the argument of, oh, well, this white person didn't get into the university because they had to fill in the quota for black people. So you're assuming every single black person who got allowed into this institution was inferior to this said white person who applied. You didn't even think to ask the question of were there white people who got in with a lower GPA or a lower ACT score than this person that you just automatically defaulted to assuming had a higher level of intelligence or higher work rate or higher everything than you. That's, that's the, that's the one problem I have with that. It's like, okay, we know statistically, if you have a black name appearing on a resume, you are 70% more likely, if not higher to have your resume go to the bottom, just based off of the merit of your name. And that's yeah. been proven. So for us to sit here and say, well, I don't want to get hired. Based on, no, fuck that. I'm with Gina. Y'all fucked up assuming that I wasn't capable of doing this. But now that you're forced to do it, now you're forced to realize that I am the best applicant. Now I'm going to make sure that I'm the best person in this fucking building. I'm going to make sure that I put out stuff that is better than every single... Some people might see it as, a, oh, I, I got in by the skin of my teeth. I shouldn't be here. This is the big leaves. But some people see that as a motive. Like, I just see it as some form of motivation. So I, I know people are different. Not it for- opens the doors for me and other black people. It's just a shame yeah. that I'm the first one and I'm not taking on y'all guilt that I'm the only black. I got hired here because I'm black. No, I got hired here because y'all didn't hire enough black people and I'm the best damn one. You know, exactly. I just hate. I just hate hearing what Chisanga said. I just no, no, I, w- I wasn't saying go in there black and proud, like yeah, my, y'all fucked up. The N word is here now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I completely, I, I completely get what you're saying. But I'm just saying, like, I just wouldn't want them to be going on the resume list, but like, oh shit, we need a black person. Yeah, just just give him the job. Yeah. Black. If I was given the job, no, you want it on your merits. If that was the case, if I was given the job. I I wouldn't be like oh I'm only here because I'm black and I think they need to be big. no I wouldn't I I wouldn't but to be but like, to be honest though I give the businesses the benefit of the doubt that not only do they need a black person but they probably just not going to take any mope you know what I mean like they still have to look out for their best interests so okay let's say right like the business you're not just going to take 
just Joe Schmo black guy because you need a black guy. You're still going to want the black guy that's going to work well with your employees. The guy who's goal oriented, the guy that also has the resume that has the qualifications for the job. So I don't even really think I'm going into it. And I'm only speaking on my behalf. Like when I've been in that position, I never think, oh, I'm just getting this because I'm black. I'm getting it because one, I am black. And two, I'm the best black that they picked out of the bunch. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, of course. No, of course. hundred percent. Yeah. You've got to go in there being proud and, and proud of your heritage and where, where you've where you've come from and and like, and that you're qualified too yeah of course exactly that, mm-hmm. that's that, that's the main thing like that's the main reason anytime that i've got a job i've always been like i've never thought to myself or oh, I've, 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 i'm obviously because of where where my parents have lived and where i've been raised it's been a predominantly white place white places when i've gone in, into jobs i've never thought oh i wonder if i'm only here just to just to color up the room. Fill a quota, yeah. You know what I mean? I've always, I've always thought to myself, and I've had this instilled from my dad from a young age that when you, when you're given something, or you, you, you've earned that, that like that, that honor or accolade or whatever has been bestowed of you because of your skills and or what have you, not because of the color of your skin or what have you, because of what you've done. So. I, yeah. I, I completely get what you're saying, and I should have prefaced what I said because obviously you kind of thought that I was thinking, oh well, I'm only here because I'm black, blah blah blah. That's oh, that's, I hate that. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's I, those are two. I, I think there's two different things. Like what me good, and Mike are saying is, I just wouldn't want there to be three resumes uh, or five resumes left, and then uh, the diversity officer comes to the editor and says, oh well, we need we need to fill a row. We need to just go with the. It's got to be the black guy, regardless yeah. of his. That's, that's yeah, no. Yeah. But but seriously, though, I'd like to see Paul Daly doing more, especially after his retirement. And then to hear him on the mic and notice, like, especially in the Bellator booth, he's not annoying. He focuses on what's like in front of him. He's not giving long narrations about baby mamas and stuff like he's kind of quiet as kept a gift on the mic. I like him on the mic, you know, and it's a damn shame that I don't maybe I'm being dramatic, but I do feel like he's blackballed a little bit. You know, he said fair, one though. little thing about MVP professionally, and we never saw him on the mic again. Why? Yeah. And what he said about MVP was so professional. But I think yeah, when it comes from Paul Daly, the black guy that punched the white guy after the after the bell and Dana just blackballing him. Wait, I really don't think being a black man helps him. And I think he's been blackballed. True. Who was it you know? that... Um, people were giving Paul Felder shit for because he kind of, it was, it was after a fight. It was a, it was a lightweight fight. Paul Felder. Uh, I don't know who he, uh, it wasn't it like necessarily a call out or whatever. Oh, I can't remember. And I remember Ariel Hawani was saying, Oh, I didn't like how Felder kind of made it about himself afterwards. Who was it? Oh my God. Oh yeah. Cause he fought somebody. And then while he was interviewing them, he kind of challenged him Justin to a fight yeah. and there. Yeah. Yeah, and then there were some people like, this isn't about you talk about Justin's win. And I'm just like, no, this is the perfect time for him to call an opponent. He's got the goddamn mic and the man standing in front of him. Similar similar things, right? Completely similar situations, but yet Paul gets gone. But I don't know, like maybe... Like maybe there's more to it with Paul Daly and, and Scott Coker and what have you. I I do not know. Like I I can only surmise, but and I, I can only. Guess. I y'all know I'm old school and I'm just like somebody's old black grandmother. Uh, black men and women <laughs> and and black athletes they just cannot do what the white athletes can do. Okay, I just have a feeling if Paul Daly was Paul Smith and he was a white guy, he would probably still have been come back to the UFC 
or he'd have some type of job or he'd still be on the mic at Bellator. I do think race plays a, a part in all of the black athletes lives in mar mixed martial arts. And I think Paul Daly has some type of black cloud over him. I, to this day, I don't under, to this day, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I don't understand how he said one thing about MVP, which by the way, was true and very professional. Mm -hmm. And he was canned immediately. I can't believe it. That just tells me he's disliked for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's a damn shame. Within, do you think within the sport of MMA then that there is kind of a disparity how um, black athletes and white athletes are, are treated? I'm going to just throw this out there hypothetically. Let's just imagine Black Dan, black Dan Hardy has, um, has a disagreement with a UFC employee behind the scenes. Does BT Sport pick up? Black Dan Hardy, uh, a week later? Um, it depends on, well, the, the traction that they get with him, obviously, his social media following and how respected he is among the, the industry. I think, I th uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to know. I mean, I mean oh, but I also, there's also an element of fear with black men. Dan Hardy reportedly was canned by the UFC because of his egregious transgressions and behavior. And we did hear that he got into it with a female employee, whether it's female or not, we don't know, allegedly. We don't know, but we do know his attitude or his behavior, his misbehavior at work got him canned. Black men are typically perceived as threats. And I don't know if like black Dan Hardy or, you know, like, Daquan Harrison Daquan Harrison have done what Dan Hardy did, you know, <laughs> just because of just because just because like we always have that you, you all can't do what white people can do type of stigma over you, whether you're a Joe Schmo black guy or whether you are in the UFC or the MMA. I think that like double standard follows us everywhere. And I, and I just I always wish that I could like, don't you wish sometimes you could go back in time and switch the roles and the races and see how Twitter responds. It. It's yeah. like one of the things in life that I wish I could do, like when you see someone defending something so wrong, and you know, damn well, if the roles were reversed, and if it was a white guy, or a white woman that had killed somebody the way in which a black person did or a police shooting, you know, they would be so upset to see their own be murdered or something. But when it comes to us, you know, you have to obliged by the law. You didn't listen. So I just sometimes wish I could go back into time and make Paul Daly, like switch the roles, make Josh hit Paul Daly and see yeah. what happens. You know, like it's unfortunate we can't do that because it would, we would call out a lot of hypocrites and, and, and racists if we could do shit like that. But see, I do firmly believe it though. There's a, there's a stark difference between black athletes and the way they're treated and white athletes. And I'll never change on that. I, I agree with what you're saying. I, 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 I agree. But to play devil's advocate, let's mm -hmm. um, let's let, let's put Conor McGregor's trans uh, transgressions next to John Jones's transgressions. Both of them have done some fucked up shit. Oh, God damn it. I swore. I said I wasn't going to swear during this episode, but yeah. okay. <laughs> I made I made I made it. Uh, I made it an hour. I made it an hour. Um and John, John, John has been kept on. Obviously, obviously he was he was relieved of his uh, title for the felony hit and run incident. You sound like the racist white people in my mentions that love to bring up a famous no, black athlete that saying, isn't being treated poorly. Say. I'm that's being triggered. Say. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree with you. Like, I mean, obviously, as a black man, I experience this every single day. Like, I can't. Right. You know, I can't do things that 
the, the white people. I, I I can't walk down the street with my hood up, blah blah blah, and not be met. What was the first when Dan Hardy got fired? What was the first thing Mike said? He was like, "Can Black Dan Hardy do?" Remember in the, the woke cast DMs, he was like, "You think either one of us could do this?" And all four of us was like, "No, we can't because we live that life." So yeah. we know that black athletes are held to a different standard because we're not famous, rich athletes, and we live this life. Bitch, I can't go to work and do some of the things these white people at my job can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just yeah, can't. No, and then course, 100%. Even yeah. code switching, the way that I speak on this podcast, I can't talk like this at work. It's called code yeah. switching. If I talk like this at work, I'm going to be the angry black woman and everyone's going to be scared of me. So even, even yeah, in code no, switching, as black people, we can't even be ourselves. I completely, mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. Like the amount of times at my old job where I had to bite my tongue and luckily um, it was one of my other colleagues was black, one of my close friends actually. And the amount of times that we both had to calm each other down and say, look, you can't do this here. You can't, you can't yep. do like this right yep. now. This is just going to affect you down the line. And then what's going to happen when you need to get a reference or whatever, do you know what I mean? In the future, like, so. And that's just willy nilly Chisanga and regular Joe Schmogina. Can you imagine black people that are under the scrutiny, black athletes, excuse me, that are under the scrutiny of just media, being famous, being in the UFC. And yes, John Jones was kept, but he's also someone that makes them an egregious amount of money. So they can they cannot be as hard as on him as another black athlete, but he still gets shit for his behavior. He's still not forgiven in a way that Connor has. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's just we're harder on black athletes than we are on white athletes i'm sorry connor uh, john jones has not been accused of rape on several occasions he's done some cruddy stuff but we still throw it in his face we still hold him accountable for it but yet people let connor slide i wonder why that is i don't think but- apologize for it look facts are facts we speak about this all the time black people are held to a different standard to white people thank you permeates the sport of mma hence the reason why i bought this whole subject to the table because I just want to make sure I, I that's why I love chatting with you all it gives me a sense of realism it's my reality check the way that I look at it is allegedly Connor did what he did allegedly Connor. we have to keep remembering that allegedly allegedly used of these things but in terms of standards and in terms of the way that black athletes are held to account their allegedly has more weight than our allegedly I just don't think a black athlete could be on video hitting an old man and also allegedly being, I'm dying at what Kyra's just typed. Um, I also, now I'm distracted. <laughs> um, I just, I just don't think like a black Conor McGregor, you know, could do what he did. I'm, I'm trying to think of like, I, I'm so racist. I'm so fucking, footing, but I'm no, such a bigot be. myself. I'm trying to come up with like black names and stuff. Like I'm racist and shit. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, yeah, I, I just don't think he could do a black Connor could do what he does. And it's just as a black person, it's so hard to see that and then to live it. And then you go in your mentions and you have someone that has never experienced racism or even walked in your shoes like that's not true because D.C. is loved. So your racist, your uh, claims of racism is not true. Yeah, He's- come on. I mean, I get that a lot. Like when I start talking about holding black athletes accountable, I get a lot of like, well, DC is love. So your um, debate is negate. Like they just cancel my whole experiences, everything. <laughs> and, and like these, these, these people, and I'm, I'm not saying this is the case with uh, the UFC and, and, and Daniel Cormier, 
if say see if I was like a uh, the owner of like a multi million dollar corporation or what have you, and if I was a racist, I would deliberately appoint a person of color to make it look as if I'm not a racist and make it look like oh yeah we we care about other ethnic minorities we care about people with different sexual orientations or what have you we care about transgender people. Do you know so what you I would mean? have featured Michael Chandler and his black son on? Oh, on that's, um... <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. No, 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 no. Let's let's not get no. Into but that. I mean, if you think about it, it does sound like a racist person came up with like, "Hey, why don't we exploit the fact that Michael Chandler has a black?" You know what I mean? You see the thinking? It's, it's like I don't similar. Think it's like... The case. I think they were just I think they were just stuck for ideas. Like like I I, I, really? and I don't think they planned ahead. And then that sound like some. What? And that sounds like some inclusive I'm, I'm racism, if you ask I'm me. Struggling, yeah. struggling here. They were stuck for ideas. Hey, that's like, I mean, the roster. That's, I'm saying, I'm not saying they were stuck for ideas, but that's what I'm saying. Like the segment came across as if they were like, that's oh. how he it's, it's, interprets it's, it's it. Yeah. As if, like, it's, as, it's almost as if like when you're at school and you know you haven't done your homework and you're just fucking scrambling for anything or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? That's 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 how it came across. Where they felt it, where they felt the need to scramble, being that like most of the rasta is like people of color and black people. Yeah, I know, you know what I'm saying? I know. <laughs> that's, no, I'm not to say like it did seem rushed. I get what you're saying, Chisanga, yeah. but I think it was that, and also to the lack of diversity in that boardroom that day, which is also a sign of what racism the fact that you don't have black people in your boardroom to say are we really about to feature a black child adopted by white people to celebrate black people like any black person in there would have been like hold up you know so like i think that's just like i think there's some subconscious and implicit racism in that segment you know someone else yeah and a bit of a scramble like you said yeah and, and and it's like you say when you have when you have uh diversity across the board a boardroom level whether it be uh whether it be gender race sexual orientation what have you you avoid situations like this do you do you know what i mean like exactly say if i wrote and say if i was writing an article about um about transgender people and uh, transgender people in uh in uh, in sports say if i wrote a, a a word or a term that that I didn't know was offensive or what have you, but if like I have tranny, yeah. somebody who is from the trans community or is very at the very least familiar with um, with the, the the proper pronouns and everything, they'd come to me and be like, "Okay, we can't sign off in this because of X Y Z. We'll change this to reflect uh, to reflect what is appropriate and what have you." And that probably would have happened with the Michael Chandler situation if there was somebody signing off somebody of color signing off at, at, at the top that that's that's what i think because i know for a fact that like I'm, I'm just trying to think like say if i was making a my friends were my my white friends were making a black history month video or what, what have you and then you decide okay we'll we'll go on the white family they've adopted the black child and then we'll go with that i'd be like you cannot do this 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 is not gonna fly whatsoever but I mean, we've already died. Like, I'm, I'm not getting my blood pressure up about this again because I'm, I remember I, I didn't. We've healed, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, we've healed. I didn't stay up and watch that fight card, but I remember I woke up, I checked my phone in the days, and I watched like the the trailer, and I, I genuinely thought I was dreaming to begin with, and then when I woke up, I saw Andreas's Hale, Andreas Hale's thread about it, and God. But anyway, like <laughs> going back to uh, current. 
<laughs> current issues. I think it will be only right just before we go, just to have a quick canter through, just picking one matchup for each of us that we're incredibly looking forward to this coming weekend. You see two uh, 60, 60 rolls into town. I'm looking forward to Tyron Woodley and Vicente Luque. I personally feel that this is going to be Tyron Woodley's swan song. I feel as though he's been given chance after chance after chance. I really feel he's checked out spiritually, physically, mentally. I just see Vicente Luque just running through this man. I think we're going to see a second round TKO with Luque having his hand raised. That's what I'm looking forward to in terms of fight action on Saturday. How about you guys? Um, G, what are you looking forward to? Man, oh man. I'm looking forward to Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. I'm just, Ooh. I'm just like intrigued by this matchup because Sean O'Malley is, he might be given, I don't want to say he's been given an easy fight, but he can beat this guy because Thomas Almeida just hasn't been the same since he's returned. You know what I mean? So I favor Sean O'Malley, but you just never know with Thomas Almeida. Also, my least uh, I, I know, Mike, you said one fight. You know, I talk too much. The, the fight that I look forward to the least, believe it or not, is the main event. I think it goes down the same way it did before. And I'm ready to move on from this. And don't forget, <laughs> there's some people on this card we need to pay attention to. Kama Worthy is fighting. Also, y'all, they rescheduled William Knight versus Alonzo Menafield. Somebody's fitting to die in that matchup. I suggest you don't miss it. But Kairos, what are you looking forward to? Um. This fight was scheduled like a few months ago, and then it got called. Uh, it was uh, Miranda Maverick and Jillian Robertson. I'm just curious to see where Miranda Maverick can go because I feel like Jillian's kind of in like limbo right now, and I feel like a loss here might like do it for get her. her. Yeah, she might get cut, and Miranda's kind of like, is yeah. she contender series pup? Yes, I uh, thought she so. fought yeah. Invicta. Am I not correct? I don't she know. Fought she fought in Invicta. Yeah, she fought in Invicta for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so th that is a very interesting, intriguing matchup to see where they're going. Jillian could possibly be cut, but they do like using her for filler. So who knows? Jasanga, closing out the show, but also given the matchup that you're looking forward to. Take okay, right. Uh, first of all, I'm going to dispute what you're saying about Tyron Woodley. This is make <laughs> a break for Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley is going to come out guns blazing against Vicente Luque. I don't necessarily say we're going to see the Tyron Woodley of old. <laughs> Look at my keys. <laughs> uh, That's what I'm about to do. You're right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this, this <laughs> last chance for time Woodley, and I obviously he has uh, three three losses in a row. I'm, I'm, I'm correct. Yeah, he has three losses in a row. He's Two, lost every round too. Colby, but this man will be motivated financially. Do you not remember? I think it was not too long after he lost the championship that you said. I made some very bad financial decisions. I didn't manage my money very well when I was uh, when I was champion or what have you. So I think this is going to be extra added fire for him going into this fight because he can't. What? Can, no, can what's his What's his path to victory? Let's what's just get to, to how do you 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 pick him to win? Now you tell me how he does it. I, I don't, don't know it. how it's going to happen. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> you it. see, that's why I, I love that question. <laughs> I would think Tsanga is wrestling. But yeah, I that, don't know. That, that's the, the, I, I wouldn't advise him going into an all-out striking matchup with, with Vicente. Like, I mean, Vicente... And Vicente's pretty good on the ground. He's, it's, his uh, ground skills are overrated. He can submit you off his back and also not off his back, like on top of you. So it's pretty interesting to see. 
But I'm going with Tyron Woodley. I'm going. I'm going with T Wood. Anyway, that's because you're going with your heart, and you, your heart's about to be broken, y'all. Don't y'all agree? <laughs> My heart's about to be broken. Yeah. yeah with, uh, with regards to, the, I'm, I'm dodging Mike's question because I want to talk about the main event. It's going down the same way. It's going down the same. Like I mean, unless exact. Like uh, literally, Francis has to land early in the first or in the second round to get this to get this done. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen – well, nobody's seen anything from Francis to, uh, in his last four fights Well, because he's been finishing people in, like the, in, in, in each, uh, each of the first round to, to show that, oh, yeah, this fight's going to be different. Had he, had he been forced to get into some wrestling exchanges and got up to his feet against Curtis Blades, had he not starched him, then it would have been like, okay, yeah, he's managed to uh, get a decorated wrestler of Curtis Blades. Uh, he managed to get off his back – well, get him off him from top position and wall walk and whatever. Then I'd be like, okay, yeah, he's added some new facets to his game and what have you. Don't get me wrong. He probably has improved in the, it's been three years since they fought, but I haven't seen anything. Nobody's seen anything to suggest that this fight's going to be different. So, and, and I'm never comfortable picking the puncher's chance to win. I will never pick a fight when your only route, the path to victory is that you might land a punch. Yeah. I, I, I always go with the person that is a bit, little bit more well-rounded and has a better chance of winning, and that's Stipe, because Francis, we know damn well, he's not going to submit him. He's not going for a takedown. He's not going to head kick him. He's yeah. going to try to punch him, and that's the only thing he's got versus Stipe, who is being considered as the goat of heavyweight because he's so well-rounded and good. Good damn night. He's going to dance all over Francis, put him down over and over again, and he's, he's going to win a, a decision. That's my that's my call on it. Congress, what do you think? I was, what do you think? I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I'm switching teams. I'm switching I had a teams feeling. right now. Are you the clo- I'm not joking. I'm thinking God. That's why I, that's why I could tell. That's why I was like, what are you thinking? I could see it on his face in the zoom. I'm What's just his like, how's he winning? Sell me. I think he's gonna obviously I think he's gonna you knock think he's his gonna ass land. out. And yeah. I think the issue is this, okay. People were always talk about Ngana being so arrogant in training and being arrogant for the past few years and all that stuff. I don't I believe like, okay. it. Yeah, I was like, I don't know about that. But then as soon as he brought in Kamaru, I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, you're bringing in the greatest welterweight on the planet right now to help you. And he's like, granted, I know he's not going to be as imposing of a wrestler on you as Stipe, because obviously Stipe is much larger, but I'm sure he can teach you a few things, teach you a few tricks, and all Nganu has to do. Like, it's different when it's like, oh, well, he just has a whole bunch of power. It's like, nah, he has the power. He is power. So, <laughs> he is power. So, that's why I'm just, I'm switching it now. I'm just like, Nganu just got to, he just has to stay he alive. like his puncher's chance, yeah. I, I like his puncher's yes. chance. I'm picking yes. him, bro. I'm picking him. I yeah. shouldn't. I've been like going against this for months, but I'm switching up on y'all. But most people are saying that though. That's why I asked for the path of victory. Most people are just saying, I think Francis is going to catch him. That doesn't sit well with me because I think like, you know what I think? I think Stipe is also training for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's just one thing to train for versus what Stipe can throw at him. So I think the likelihood of that happening is, is not strong, but it, we can see that. Who knows? But right. now I'm getting excited. I just said it was my least uh, favorite bout. Now I'm like, <laughs> let's not forget, people. Let's not forget. If Francis comes incorrect towards him, just comes guns blazing, swinging. Stipe Miocic knocked Fabrizio Verdum walking backwards. Thank you. 
Like, and I, Francis I, is sloppy. Y'all love to talk about is. his power, but don't nobody like to talk about how he came in swinging like a banshee when he fought Rosenstruck. Like, yeah, I swear to God, I think it's just me and Jamie that just cannot stand how sloppy he is. Like, he is not technical. At, he literally just comes forward at you swinging and beats you until you go down. Like, That's I like I his winning. Thank you. He's like, not I technical. Was, I, I, I hear you when you talk about power, but you need technical ability and power in order to beat Stipe. And I don't think, I really don't think Ngana has got that combination. He's got power, but and, and it's We also need to discuss it, Stipe, one of the best heavyweights of all time. This isn't just he's defending his belt. Francis is fighting somebody that people are talking is the heavyweight so, yeah. goat. So he's extra special. Y'all, you know, you feel me? Like, he's not just good, but he's got that seasoning, that Laurie's, that extra one, because he's the GOAT, which makes him even more dangerous versus, like, puncher's chance. I, I don't know, but I'll be praying for y'all punch. I'm indifferent, so if he knocks him out, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not a and fan God of going to come out there, so. and he's going to stomp on his feet in the first round. Then when he's Ooh. immobile, he's going to knock him out. Imagine if Ngannou says, I'm going to show y'all some Cameroonian foot stops. Or imagine he knocks him out like in, in Overeem fashion, like the goat he puts out like that, like the fucking predator that he is. That would be... That's possible. That's, possible, That's what I'm saying. Uh, Stipe's old, possible. too. Stipe's taking a lot of damage, and he's old. DC was whooping up on him in both fights badly. Yeah. yeah. Well, in all of the fights badly, he was whooping up on them. So I'm just but, saying like... But not. But when Stipe fought Francis the first time, he knew not to let that happen. He wasn't peppered up as much as Francis and he, and he saw the shots coming and he ate them and he knew to stick and move and wrestle him. And I think that's just the same game plan he's going to keep to. Yeah. There's, there's, a, try. there's a clip that people always show from that fight of where um, Francis throws a three-punch combination and just the slipping and moving of Stipe is just... Beautiful. Like, it was it's beautiful and there was a, a cage side video so like a fan had obviously filmed it and you just see the the sheer size of francis and like the missiles he's throwing at stipe people just bobbing and weaving you up. know why you know why Chisanga? because i feel like stipe is the only heavyweight that has ever respected francis and Ghana's power mm. i think he's the only heavyweight that has ever fought him was like oh no this man can knock me out look at how overeem hands down, chin out, and just was kind of cocky. Look where he went. He went to see God afterwards. He didn't respect Francis. You know I what I'm saying? One of the worst. And I think Stipe is the only person that's like, oh, no, he's just as strong as they say he is. And I'm not getting hit. Everybody else fooled. Look at JDS. Terrible performance. You don't respect that man. So you went to bed. Stipe respects him. So he don't go to bed. Yeah, I'll so see. I'm glad G's fired up now. <laughs> <laughs> right, excited for it. I mean, what a so turnaround! Chisanga, on you to close the show. On me? Oh God, you're you're dropping this on me, right, people? Uh, thanks very much for listening. Could have sworn I told him that like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, you did. I just <laughs> <laughs> right, people. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of Shots Fired. It's been a pleasure chopping it up with the crew, Mr. Morgan. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. That's the only channel really that I kind of like mess with these days. No more Clubhouse for me because Twitter has its own version of Clubhouse. It's called Spaces. Anyway, you can find me at Mike Woe TV. Kairos, where, well, yeah, speaking of Kairos, <laughs> where can people find you? You've disappeared, hey, bro. <laughs> you might not want to say where they can find you, brother. You can find me on TikTok. I'm not letting y'all know about my secret Twitter yet. No, because you'll be shadow. 
pedal band immediately once they find exactly. out and follow you in droves. And like, y'all can find me at Just Gina MMA, and that's it. People, you can find me at Chisanga underscore Malata on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not like Kairos. I'm not a young buck, so I'm not going to do that TikTok shit. Anyway, people, <laughs> enjoy the fights. Take care. Enjoy your weekend when it comes. And as I said, just uh, enjoy the fights.